text I've chosen for the sermon this morning is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, and the first part of verse 2. Read those verses again. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2, the first part. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, so the text I've chosen this morning is about God's speaking, his word. I'm going to use this text a bit differently than actually it was actually intended by the writer. In this letter to the Hebrews, the first sentences are actually the prelude to the main subject, which is the glory of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and the greatness and glory of his salvation. That's what this whole letter to the Hebrews is about, to remind people who were becoming, who were drifting away about that glory of the Lord as revealed in his word. In the sermon of this morning, the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ plays a role, but I'm going to focus mainly on what the Spirit says in the first two verses of this letter about the Word of God, the Bible. See, earlier on this summer, I had a discussion with some Mormons here in town, and I noted their Book of Mormon, which they were holding on to, and I... My emphasis was that the Bible is the whole and sufficient Word of God and contains all we need for life and salvation. But these uh, Mormon missionaries disagreed with that and they stated that they, they, they stated that they believed that God still speaks through the prophets. There are other revelations, new revelations. And I think there are more people today who question whether the Bible is the whole Word of God or whether it is wholly God's Word. Sometimes we as Reformed people have our questions too, I'm sure. We wonder if the Bible is really God's Word because there are others who have different holy books too, like the Koran or the Book of Mormon. Or we wonder if the Bible is God's, if the Bible is God's Word, why is it sometimes hard, so hard to understand it? Why are there so many different interpretations? Or we ask ourselves, if the Bible is God's revelation of himself to people, why doesn't he reveal himself to us like he did in the past anymore? Why has he stopped speaking to people like he did in the past? See, we can have our questions and doubts about the Bible too, and then we maybe even feel that we need to turn off our minds in order to accept the Bible as God's holy word, just accept it because the church says so. I don't believe that's a good approach either. And that's why, congregation, this morning, I'm not only going to preach from the Bible, but also about the Bible. And I believe that our text gives us insight into how the Bible came about. And then we can also think about why there are so many different interpretations of the Bible. 
And finally, our text also has something to say about why God doesn't speak in the, in the same way as he did in the past. So the theme of the sermon is in the Bible, God's Word. We pay attention to, first of all, its origin, second, its clarity, and thirdly, its sufficiency. First of all, the origin of the Bible. Our text says that God spoke to the forefathers by the prophets. And then even at various times and in various ways. We read earlier on an example of how God used the prophets to speak to the forefathers in the faith. Well-known example, right? Samuel, the boy Samuel, lying in bed. Here's a voice calling his name, Samuel. He thinks it's the old high priest, Eli. But it wasn't Eli's voice he heard. It was God, the Lord, who was speaking to him. Eli figured that out and told Samuel to answer, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And then the Lord God spoke to Samuel and gave him a message to pass on to Eli. And that's actually the work of the prophets, right? To receive a message from God and pass it on to those God wants to hear that message. That's what Samuel did. He audibly heard the voice of God. But receiving revelation from God in the past could take place not only by hearing a voice. Our text says that God spoke in various ways. Sometimes he revealed what he wanted people to know by means of visions, like a, a vision was something like a movie in which the prophet himself could also be an actor and, and could speak with God and interact with God. Sometimes very strange things happen in those visions. The prophet, for instance, was told to eat a book, taste it. Sometimes God even came in human form to talk with people. Think of Abraham when the Lord God came to tell him that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, overturn those cities, those wicked cities. Sometimes God sent an angel to speak on his behalf. Think of the angel Gabriel who passed on to Samson's parents the message they were going to have a son or, or how he appeared to the Virgin Mary to tell her that she would have a son and she was to call him Jesus, Savior. Sometimes there wasn't even a presence or even a voice, but God passed on his words via a prophet's thought processes. Or God revealed what he wanted to say in a vision. Sometimes he even showed something of himself in a vision. Think of how the prophet Isaiah saw the train of God's robe filling the temple. You can imagine he was looking up, seeing into the temple and seeing the train of God's robe filling the temple. God's feet. And sometimes those visions included awesome signs like blinding light or raging thunderstorm or even silence. And sometimes a still, small voice. And God revealed himself in all these ways in all kinds of places. In people's homes or out in the fields or in the temple or in the wilderness or on a mountain. The thing is, God wasn't bound to a certain method of passing on his word or to a certain place. And notice that our text also says that God spoke in various times. He revealed himself over many, many years to many people. If you add up the time from Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, to the time of the Lord Jesus and the writing of the New Testament, that's about 1,500 years. 
And if you go farther back in time to when God spoke to Abraham, for instance, you have to go back another 500 years. And if you want to go back to when God spoke to Noah or even to Adam and Eve, you have to go back in time even farther. We have testimonies of God speaking all the way back to the beginning of time. So we're talking about God's revelation over a very long period of time. The word at various times in our text can also mean bit by bit. God revealed more and more of himself and his plan of redemption from the beginning to the coming of Christ. And he did that piece by piece, more and more. People get the picture. He didn't do it all at once. We call that God's redemptive historical revelation of himself. If you think that through, you realize that this is a big difference from other, uh, other holy books like the Koran or the Book of Mormon. The prophet Muhammad received revelations from Allah only over a number of years during his life, a few years. Muslims claim that Allah dictated the Quran's contents to Muhammad through the angel, through an angel. So, so Allah revealed himself to one man by one means and over and during one time, one specific period of time. And that makes the Quran a whole different book from the Bible. Think of the Book of Mormon, too, touted as another word of God by the so-called Latter-day Saints. Mormons trace their origins to the visions that Joseph Smith reported to have had in the early 1920s while living in New York State. He was directed to dig up ancient gold plates out of the ground which were translated for him by an angel, and Smith dictated to others that book over a period of three months. And that book is called the Book of Mormon. Again, revelation to one man over just a short period of time in one way. One man. Or in congregation, if you compare the Quran and the Book of Mormon to what our text says about the origin of God's word then, the Bible, you see a huge difference. God, it says, Hebrews 1 verse 1, at various times and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets. Revealed himself to many different people in many different ways over many, many centuries. And he even revealed himself so often and with so much content that much of what he said didn't even end up in the Bible. The Bible itself tells us that God's revelation of himself wasn't all recorded. Think of what John says at the end of his gospel about Jesus having done much more that wasn't recorded, having said much more. Well, it's exactly the abundance of means and times of revelation and the many people to whom God spoke, which are strong evidence in favor of the truth of the Bible as God's word because it's a unity in spite of the various times and people and methods. Many, many witnesses to God's whole revelation of himself. And then it says in the text, too, that God spoke in the past by the prophets and has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. In these last days. That means the last age of time, the final area, the last section of history. Well, this last era of the history of this world, in, during this time, God has spoken to us by his Son. 
And that reminds us of a statement from our confession, Lord's Day 12. Jesus Christ is our highest prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret will of God concerning our redemption. And what that means, congregation, is that in Jesus Christ, His Son, God has finished speaking to us, given us everything we need to know, completely everything we need to know for life and salvation has been made known to us from God. We, we know all we need to know about God from the Bible, from His Word, and He had it written down, culminating in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's all one unity. Oh, there are a lot of things we don't understand and many things which have not been revealed to us by God. God has sufficiently made known to uh, himself known to us, though, first bit by bit through the prophets over a long period of time, and finally through his son, Jesus Christ, who walked on this earth, who spoke here. For centuries, he worked toward the coming of his son. He prepared people for that. But when the fullness of time had come, it says in Galatians 4, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. In and through his son, God said what we needed to know, but hadn't been made known yet before. What the Lord Jesus did and taught, and how he gave his words authority through miracles and through his death and resurrection, that's all told and explained in the New Testament, the Gospels and in the letters and in the last book of the Bible, the revelation to the Apostle John by the Lord Jesus himself. And congregation, you realize then that Jesus Christ is what God's whole revelation centers about, is about actually. He's the line all the way through it. Without him, no revelation of God would have been imaginable or possible. All the different lines in the Bible come together in him. He is the fulfillment of God's revelation in the past. And now that the Lord Jesus Christ has lived and spoken and acted here, we don't need to, nor we should, should we expect any further revelation from God. He said it all in His Son and in what He did and how that culminated on Golgotha. We'll touch on that further in the third point. The thing is, God's words, as He had prophets and apostles put it to writing in the Bible, is about Christ and the glorious redemption that he has worked. That's what the Old Testament people look forward to. That's what we can rejoice in. And every time we open the Bible in Jesus Christ and in the fullness of his salvation. But that makes us very responsible too then, as it says in the first part of chapter 2 of Hebrews. If the word spoken through angels in the past then proved steadfast in every transgression and disobedience, received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? How can we escape? Having God's word then makes us very, very responsible. We need to accept it, believe it, because rejection of this word means condemnation, eternal condemnation. We come to our second point, the clarity of the Bible congregation. If the, the Bible is God's word, why is his speaking in it then often so unclear? There's so many different interpretations of the Bible. If God has now fully made himself known through his son, why are there so many different ideas about Jesus Christ and about his work and so on? Well, I could think of a few different reasons why that is. In the first place, there are people who don't believe in God's revelation of himself 
who maybe don't even believe that there is a God and who still have all kinds of things to say about the Bible. And that can throw, throw people off. They disseminate that. For, for those people, the Bible is basically a human book written by people in response to their needs and insights at the time. So it's an ancient book, but it contains mistakes and contradictions and myths, things that are impossible, such as time standing still and virgin birth and resurrection from the dead. Those people don't believe God's revelation, and that's why it's all confusing to them. And then they spread that confusion, too. But it's not the Bible that's the problem, but the people who read it then. And we'll get back to that again, too. And another thing, a lot of people who accept the Bible as God's word don't see it as one book. They see it as a number of books. They don't see the unity of God's revelation. They miss the harmony of the Old and New Testaments. And then they also end up reading the Bible selectively to confirm their own preconceived ideas. Think of the issues many Christians have about creation and evolution, covenant and infant or adult baptism, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for instance. The thing is, the Bible needs to be seen and interpreted as a unity. Every passage has to be interpreted in the context of the rest of the Bible, too. The Old, Old Testament can only be understood in the light of the New Testament revelation of Jesus Christ, and the New Testament needs to be understood in the light of what was prophesied in the Old Testament. You see that unity expressed in our text when it says God speaking progressed through the prophets and then eventually over time culminated in the words and, and deeds of the Savior Jesus Christ. Another thing when it comes to different interpretations of the Bible. Evidently, the Bible is so difficult to interpret in certain places that you need to keep working and praying to come to a good understanding of those parts. That's how the Spirit, who inspired the Word in the first place, keeps us busy with the Bible too, every Sunday and every week, searching the Scriptures. And then searching in such a way that we always can be critical of our own views and open to criticism, our own interpretations open to new interpretation that can be shown to be in harmony with the whole of the Bible. I believe that if people humbly approach the Bible that way, then there'd be a lot less disagreement about what it says. Sadly, though, sometimes the differences in interpretation are more driven by people's own preconceived ideas than real differences about what the Bible itself actually says. The thing is, it can be easy even to hide behind perceived differences too, that you say, well, there's so many different interpretations of the Bible, therefore what it says isn't really that important to live by, uh, just as long as I know the basic message, that's okay. So, in other words, the danger is that we use differing interpretations, there are so many different interpretations, to relativize the Bible's message to us. That would be a serious sin as shown in the first part of Hebrews 2, where you have that warning about giving heed to what we have heard, lest we drift away from what it says. Be an insult to God's Son, through whom he has spoken in these last days. Finally, think of what it says to Peter 3, 15 and 16. 
It says there, and I quote those, past, those two verses, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, the long-suffering until he comes again, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, the last things, in which there are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they also do the rest of the scriptures. Notice, by the way, that Paul's writings are put on the level with the rest of scriptures. The thrust of those words, though, is that if there is unclarity about the Bible, then the problem is not the Bible, because after all, it's God's Word. No, the problem is with the reader and the interpreter. Martin Luther once stated as much in a debate with Erasmus about the Bible, and he said, not understanding the meaning of Scripture doesn't show a problem with him who has spoken in it and still speaks in it, but it shows the moral and mental resistance of the reader. Brothers and sisters, we always have to remember that when we're reading it, we read it as people who are sinful by nature, whose minds have been affected by sin. The Bible is clear but we need to work our way through all kinds of sinful ideas and inclinations in our hearts and minds to be able to understand it and accept it, also to accept it. And again, that, that would take work and prayer, prayerfully searching the Scriptures. And this is a call never to stop working and praying to understand the Bible. Open it daily. It contains the glorious revelation of God, the message of your salvation in Christ. And the more you work at understanding it, the more clear the gospel and how to live out of it becomes for you. We come to the last part of the sermon. The Bible is sufficient. Congregation, we haven't gone into the question of why God doesn't speak to us anymore as he did in the prop, uh, in, to the prophets and the apostles in the past. You know, today too, you sometimes hear or you read uh, about people who claim to have had a message from God. God spoke to them even with an audible voice or in a dream. What, what should we think about these things? Well, our text shows he doesn't reveal himself to people that way anymore as such. God spoke to the forefathers through the prophets, but now that we've come to the last era, age, he's spoken to us by his son. And what follows in the letter to the Hebrews confirms and describes the greatness and the glory of God's son. He's exalted above the angels. We certainly need to heed him, in other words, to listen to him, for in Christ, God has said everything he's going to say to us, everything he needs to say to us. We don't need to look for anything more outside of Christ and his revelation. So nothing needs to be added to God's revelation until the end of this last age, until God will fully manifest himself in the new heavens and the new earth. But until then, 
He has nothing new to reveal to us. We don't need to know anything more. We have enough to work with. What He has revealed through Jesus Christ, His Son, is enough for us to work with. And what He wanted to tell us is written down for us about Christ's words and works past and present and future so that we can take hold of Christ, embrace Him. It's enough. Nothing needs to be added to that. The Holy Spirit doesn't inspire new words from God anymore, but He illumines us in the message of the Bible. He guides us and gives us insight into the message of the Bible, but new, no new messages are needed. And yes, it, it sometimes seems like God manifests himself to people in amazing ways today too, though, right? Think of the visions of Jesus, which a lot of Muslim people and people in the Muslim world claim to have and which are for some the first steps even to the Christian faith. They, they have a vision of the Lord Jesus. These things have also been reported to the Middle East Reformed Fellowship. We, we can't say that God is not able to give those kinds of manifestations, especially considering the circumstances of those people in many Arabic countries where where they have no Bible or the Bible is banned and it's a capital crime to leave the Muslim faith and become a Christian. But, but even then, even if God would reveal himself in, the, in that way, in the vision of Christ, God's purpose would be to lead people to his revelation of himself in the Bible, to the gospel of Jesus Christ in Scripture, those visions are not new revelations, new revelations about Jesus or so, about God, new prophecies which we could add to the Bible, new doctrines or so. No, God has spoken fully and finally through His Son, as the text says. The canon is closed. We have it all here. So in conclusion, congregation, when we take our Bibles in hand at home or here in church and read from them, realize that in this book, God is speaking to you. This is his living word. This is God speaking to you. Appreciate how awesome it is that we have the Bible, God's word from his heart. St. Anthony lived around the year 300. He was such a wise man. He received letters, letters from emperor, from the Roman emperors about advice. And his students were amazed at that. And he said, don't be amazed that we get letters from the emperors. They're just people. Be amazed that God has spoken to us in his word, that he's given us his word. And congregation, acknowledge the wonder that God has spoken to us in understandable human language too. Language that we can work with also today. And congregation, accept that it takes work to understand what God has spoken in various times and in various ways. And finally and sufficiently by his son. Work with it. Read it. Read it daily. Listen to it. 
Believe it humbly and in faith accept it and embrace Jesus Christ revealed in it. Because as it says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him.